Well, good morning to you and my welcome to Gareth. It's great to, uh, to be here with you. And uh, if you're visiting us again, just uh, say how warmly uh, we love having you here with us uh, as Trinity. And as Gareth has said, do go to the welcome point, find out more about us as a, as a church. Um, so it's, it's Easter and we've, we've got our little graphic, Andrew, thank you. The Andrew Show today. Well done, Andrew, you're doing a great job. So it's, it's Easter. And I, I, know that, I know that some people in a church like ours, different uh, perspectives, different stories, maybe we've been involved in different kind of churches. I, I know that some of us are very, very familiar with the kind of rhythm of the church's year, the Christian year. Uh, others of us are less familiar with it and less, maybe less sure about it. But um, I, I, I want to say that I love Easter. It's my absolute favourite time of the year. And I think as Christians, we want to really grab Easter. Uh, I, I believe in Christmas as well, but there's so much stuff around Christmas. I just think we just want to really grab Easter in every way that we can. And I wonder if, I wonder if you're doing that. I wonder if you're journeying towards, towards Easter. Um, I gather there's a, there's a church uh, up in the north of the country somewhere where there is a plaque on the wall that says, to the loving memory of our vicar, who successfully resisted enthusiasm for over 40 years. Now, I do know, if you know your church history, I know that's referring to actually the, the time in church history when this church was built and there was a, a real evangelical revival. That just means people who love God, love the word of God and love the spirit of God at work in, in their lives. And unfortunately, there were churches that resisted that enthusiasm. People showing their faith too much. Well, I just want to say I am thoroughly enthusiastic about Easter. I wonder, I wonder if you are. I wonder if you're allowing yourself to journey with Jesus. Our God, of course, is eternal and timeless. Our God transcends all of time. And yet he has acted in time. And so it's, it's part of being human. It's part of being on the journey with Jesus that God takes moments in time and gives them significance in our, in our lives. He's acted in time and he will act in the time of our lives. And so therefore, these patterns have served God's people well for thousands of years and they'd serve us well and even more in our generation in our culture of you know we ordered something yesterday and they're delivering it today and and Amazon will soon be sending drones and they'll know whether you're a warm welcome household to the Amazon drones did you did you see that story we live in this we live in this kind of culture where actually the rhythms of Jesus need to be recaptured even more. It's a, it's a little kind of chapter heading, isn't it? Ending for us in, in Trinity Easter as well. We've, we launched this year with our three Ps, our three vision themes. We're talking about positioning ourselves before God. We're, we're talking about partnering with each other. Gareth's been referencing some of those things with Not On Our Turf. And we're talking about planting new things. We launched that off at the beginning of the year. Do you remember the Healthy Habits series? 
And I hope you're thinking seriously about healthy habits. And we just had the Faith for Generations series where we've been saying, what does it mean to be the people of God, all ages, all together on this journey? And and neither of those two things are then done, tick. We're going to come back to those themes again and again and again because we believe that how God wants us to be. Are you journeying enthusiastically with Jesus this Easter time? You see, I think this guy, to show you the picture, Andrew, I think this guy here, if we can show my friend, I think he's got some questions for us. I think he's got some questions for us. The donkey. Thank you. Let's read the Bible reading. Uh, Gareth read it, and we believe uh, we're going to read it again. This is a word and spirit church. So, Andrew, let's put it up. Okay. So, as they approached Jerusalem, so this is Jesus and his followers. And if you know your gospel stories, you know the four accounts, in each one of them, there comes a point where Jesus sets his face towards, towards Jerusalem. Mark's gospel, Mark's account about halfway through the gospel, real change of direction. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed him. them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I don't know whether you're going to celebrate the royal wedding. Are you going to be up for Harry and Meghan? Are you, anyone going to go to London and you know, line the streets? We're very familiar, aren't we, with public ex- displays where, where what's being shown to you is choreographed in a way to convey meaning and significance. I'm sure there'll be people here who don't particularly like some of the meaning and some of the significance of some of these public state occasions. But we all know that's what they do. There's something enacted in front of us that speaks about authorities and powers and speaks about about structure in our society. It happened when I got licensed in this church nearly a year ago to to be the lead pastor here. And that was, that was true in Jesus' day as well. And the crowd, as they would have seen Jesus coming in, they were immediately reminded of a, a familiar scene in the ancient world of the victorious general riding into the city 
to state their authority over the whole of that city and their power. And all four Gospels, we've just read there from Matthew, all four Gospels are really clear, if you've read them, really clear that Jesus very deliberately makes a public display on that first Palm Sunday. They paint the same picture. There's the the finding of this donkey to, to ride on. There's the, the going up during the, the, uh, the afternoon, late afternoon, probably according to, to Mark, when the crowds are busy on their way into Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And so they lay down the cloaks and they get the, the palms and they line the roads and they shout, Hosanna. Now, Hosanna at this time has become a a, a cry of praise that the people use. But its roots are in the word save. If you have a look in, uh, in Psalm 118, verse 25. Blessed is the one who comes to save. So literally, this is a cry. Hosanna, save, save us. He is the saviour. He is the Lord's king. It's an appeal for deliverance. The people, maybe you know this, the people of this time are are full of messianic expectation. They're full of expectation that God is going to send his anointed saviour, his anointed king, to rescue them. From under Roman rule. They, they know that as a people of God, they've been in exile physically in their history, and now they believe themselves to be in exile spiritually because the Romans are around and in charge. God is going to send the Messiah. If you, if you are thinking ahead in the Easter story, when we later in the week, we think about the crowd uh, crying to the emperor, uh, to the, um, uh, the uh, uh, pilot, Pontius Pilate, the consul in charge of the city for the release of Barabbas. Barabbas was a kind of someone the crowd had probably acclaimed or he'd presented himself as their saviour, as, as their kind of Messiah. And Jesus has fueled this, hasn't he, for three years. His main message has been about the coming of a kingdom, the kingdom of God. He's declared that in people's presence, back in Luke's gospel, if you remember it, he's declared that the kingdom of God has come now, in me, with me. He's taught with amazing authority and done the most amazing miracles. He's been followed by crowds. He's unashamedly called and invited people to be his disciples. He has fueled this fire of messianic expectation. There's going to come a point, isn't there, where a a plaque is going to be pinned, you know, nailed above his head on a cross. And it will call him the king of the Jews. And Pilate's question is going to be, are you the king of the Jews? Now, a guy called Frederick Buchner says, the problem is, in this crowd, in this scene, 
hope and despair are travelling together. Hope and despair are travelling together. If we show a picture of the, the crowd, Andrew. I, uh, I nicked back 2,000 years and took that for you. Where's the despair? Isn't it a, a glorious scene? Maybe you can imagine it in your mind's eye. Isn't it a glorious scene? Well, the despair, of course, is that the people, so many of them, were worshipping a kind of king that Jesus isn't. And I wonder if there's anyone else here today, like me, who sometimes is tempted to do exactly the same thing. See, it's it's very easy when we read the Bible, isn't it? It's very easy as we read Scripture to be judgmental. Oh, I, I would never be like those Pharisees, those religious leaders. I would never have those attitudes. I'd, I'd never be like that crowd, because I get it. But the truth is, we all of us need to ask ourselves and imagine ourselves as we, as we read Scripture and as we journey with Jesus through this Easter. Imagine ourselves in all of the different parts of the story. And can you imagine yourself in that crowd? Can you imagine getting swept up by the enthusiasm that they were displaying for a king who they thought was coming to rescue them by force of arms? That was the kind of king that they were hoping for. That's the kind of king that they had allowed their religious leaders to tell them God was going to send to them. And so when Jesus appears to act like that king, they're there, they're up for him. And it's despair because as we know, just a week later, less than a week later, the same crowds that are ready to join in and shout and sing Hosanna are going to be crying, crucify him. They'll be denying him. Friends, I just urge myself not to rush too quickly to judge them, though. See, the thing about Easter is that Sunday is coming. But you shouldn't let yourself get there too quickly. You should journey through Maundy Thursday, past the the Mount of Olives. We've got to journey through through Good Friday. We've We've got to journey through Easter Saturday to get to Sunday. You see, they thought they knew what kind of king they needed. They thought that uh, the king who would come and, and, and ride in you know, and defeat the Romans was the one who would, who would restore them to their position, protect them as they understood their position as the people of God. They thought that God's purposes were in their own safety and comfort. 
They'd lost sight, hadn't they, the people of God, of the covenant that God had made with his people. For them to be a blessing to the world, to the nations. For them to serve God's purposes. Not for them to gather and and sing the latest songs and just feel better about themselves. But to be out there in the world. To pick up their cross and walk with Jesus. And that's the despair on that Palm Sunday. If we don't... If we don't feel something of this, then we're going to find it hard to truly appreciate the hope of Easter. It's so easy to judge others in our our culture, isn't it? So easy to, to judge those around us. And yet we have to say, God, start with me. Look at me. This Easter, start with me. Look into my heart. Because there is hope, isn't there? There is hope beyond our imagining. If we, if we have a real sense, a proper understanding of who we are before God, if we, if we come to God on our knees, that's why it's our first vision theme. We'd, we, you know, it's so easy, as I often say, to think of glorious, great ideas of buzzy things that we could do. But the real work of God's people is on our knees, positioned before God, humbly seeking his will, dwelling with our God, confessing our sins so that we can truly receive Easter hope and life. Because the Gospels tell us, don't they? And Matthew made it explicit for us. This took place to fulfill. And if you know your gospel writers, that's the key Matthew word, fulfill. Matthew's audience, the Jewish audience he's writing to, he wants to say, this Jesus fulfills everything that we were promised by God in the past. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Let's just put that up on the the screen uh, and please. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. These prophets have spoken into history in real moments in history and God's promises are enduring and God is faithful to his promises. And so the, the prophet Zechariah and other Old Testament prophets they, they, they speak of the covenant with God that's made and expressed in the blood of animal sacrifices, especially at the Passover festival where these people are going to gather. But the prophet Zechariah and Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53, speak of the new covenant that is going to be made through the blood of Christ, Jesus Jesus' victory will not be won by the force of arms, but by the spreading of his arms on the cross. Pilate would have entered the city by another gate on a war horse. Jesus enters on a symbol of peace and reconciliation. A donkey. 
And the despair is that if the people had listened to their own scriptures, if they had listened to God, they would have known that this was the way that God was going to act. You may know your Bibles well enough to know that just immediately before the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, all four gospel writers refer to the healing of the blind. In Matthew, two blind people receive their sight just at the end of chapter 20, before the bit we read from 21. The crowd was blind to the truth. So I've just got three questions, really, or three ponderings for myself as I go through this Holy Week. And maybe you'll, maybe you'll share something of them with me. Andrew, can we put, uh, put the slide up? So my first one is Hosanna to... Who? Who are you singing praise to? The real Jesus or a Jesus you're making in your own image? I secondly want to ask what kind of donkey owner I am. And thirdly, I'm asking myself if I'm living like a wise fool or a foolish ass. I thought that might get a bit more reaction, but clearly not. <laughs> You're stunned. Okay, first one. First one, Andrew, if you can just put the slide up. The picture of Jesus, please. Thank you. You see, I know the truth, friends, that I would wish God sometimes would send me a different kind of saviour. I have lots of ideas for God about how he could do things in my life. If you listen to my prayers, you'll hear it. I often think that God has not noticed something that I've noticed. I quite often suggest to him that there are lots of us down here who think like this, and wouldn't it be a good idea if? I quite often think I'm God. That's the truth. I quite often think I'm in charge of my own life. I have a great danger and a great tendency to ignore God's answers to my questions. That's what I've got to pray about, I know, again, during Holy Week. Am I really singing Hosanna, praise, save, to the King, the real King? Am I truly prepared to walk the way of the cross?
I have no less enthusiasm than anyone else here to break the chains of slavery, to break the chains of deprivation, to break the chains of fake gods, fake kingdoms in, in our society, in our town. I have no less enthusiasm to see people set free. My question has to be whether I'm going to look to God. Because my enthusiasm is not sufficient for the task. My enthusiasm will cause me to praise God one day. And if I rest only in my enthusiasm, to deny him on another day. So I ask myself, this Easter, and always, am I singing to the king? The real king. Not one that I've made in my own image. Second picture, please. I asked myself about the donkey owner. You see, friends, it wasn't uncommon for rabbis to ask to borrow donkeys for transport. It reflected Jewish thinking about borrowing within community. And the Bible doesn't tell me this directly, but I wonder, if, I wonder if this donkey owner, though, is known to Jesus. Jesus has an absolute certainty, doesn't he, from the text, that, that he, he will allow it to go right away. Did you notice those words? He will send them right away. I asked myself if this donkey owner was someone that Jesus knew he could trust. With something, a possession, an item that was not only his source of transport, it was also his source of income. And so I asked myself if that's true of me. When Jesus asks, when Jesus asks me to give to his work, to give up things that I would have a great sense of value around and place a lot of degree of security in, am I willing right away? It's really hard work in many ways, living in Western Europe at the moment as a Christian. I think it's especially hard work in a nation as wealthy as ours. And friends, I know there is a breadth of circumstances in this room. But this is a quite wealthy place. And that makes it harder, actually, to say, God, right away, right away. I'm, I'm not making, I know some of you may want to challenge me on this afterwards, and I'm happy for you to do so if I don't quite say this in the right way. I'm not wanting to make a direct appeal for our money through Trinity, 
But I do say that I notice how much money is given through Trinity. It may well be that many of us, I'm sure it is the case, are really prayerfully considering how we are using our resources in the Lord's work. But I'm going to be honest with you and say, I put some weight on our spiritual health as I do to myself when I look at my own bank account. But whether it's through Trinity or other forms of Christian service, whether it's not really about your money, but it is about your car, your equivalent of the donkey, or it's about your time, or it's about your house, or it's about your gifts and your skills. Do you know Jesus well enough to say, right away? It's a question for me. And third picture. Sharpest one of all for a lead pastor. Am I a wise donkey or a foolish ass? Matt Redman tells the story, some of you will know it. Matt Redman tells the story of a little donkey that goes home to its mummy donkey and says, today I had the most amazing experience. I walked into Jerusalem some stranger on my back, and all the crowd came out to cheer me. They laid cloaks in front of my hooves. They got palm crosses and waved them for me and sang to me as I walked into Jerusalem. And the mummy donkey says to the baby donkey, they weren't cheering you. They were cheering the one who was riding you. These platforms are dangerous places. Because you can think you're being cheered. Where it's all about Jesus. Do I, Andrew, take pride in my achievements? Do I, Andrew, think that somehow I've done whatever I've done, most importantly as a husband, most importantly as a father, and then some way down the list being lead pastor at Trinity Cheltenham? Do I give myself credit for those things? Or do I give honour and worship and praise to the one who saved me, to my King, Jesus? I will be no less enthusiastic than anybody else in this church next Sunday. But I know that I need to journey through Easter week humbly positioned before my God to get there. Maybe you agree. The cross, someone has said, does not call for words. It calls for worship. Let's be still for a moment.
I, uh, all the way through our sung worship, I kept on saying to God, please don't make me do this, please don't make me do this, please don't make me do this. But he hasn't said stop. So, um, I'm, I'm going to come and stand at the front and, and face towards the cross. This is before the band gets up. We love the band, but before. I'm going to stand, stand at the front and, and face the cross. Um, and I, I want to invite anybody else who... Who wants to come out? I think there might be some people here who, who actually do want to say today, I want to start following the true King Jesus. I, I think there might be some people here who want to do what the Bible says, which is to repent, which means to turn away and say, I'm sorry for the things that I've said and thought and done which have been wrong. I'm sorry for the fake gods and kings that I've allowed myself to worship. And I only want to worship and follow the true King Jesus. That's an incredibly bold thing to do, of course, but it's the best thing you could ever do. It's the greatest thing you could ever do. Um, And I have to do that every day, actually. As a Christian, I make those choices to follow Jesus every day. And so I'm just going to come and stand at the front and face the cross and I, I just wonder, it just felt right to ask if anyone would like to come and stand beside me and then I'll pray for us together. We'll do some other kinds of prayer in a moment. Perhaps you'd respect each other by maybe just keeping your heads bowed a little bit and quiet. And just in this moment, Lord Jesus, in your name, Holy Spirit, only by your power, by your invitation, if there's anyone here who you want to call now to come and stand with me, and declare you to be king over their lives. Anyone here who wants to turn away from what has not been right and to start following Jesus, would you invite them now? Not Andrew, to come and stand, though, with Andrew in front of the cross. So, King Jesus, 
we come before you. Hosanna to the King. We're sorry that we've allowed others, other things, other people, other thoughts to in any way rule our lives. We declare the Lordship of Christ over our lives, over every part of us. King, come and have your way. Be king, be king over all of us. Jesus, only you, only you, we praise you. Gentle Jesus, would you please send your spirit now. Come Holy Spirit now. Holy Spirit of God, come. Blow through us. Blow through us. Flow through your church. Touch our hearts. Jesus. Would you bring freedom and release from anything that would bind us? Lord, would you make us true worshippers? True worshippers ready and willing to offer you the whole of our lives. Holy Spirit, come. So come, Holy Spirit. We lay down pride, we lay down vanity, we lay down uh, any words or control that's expressed over us by anybody else other than you. We lay down any thoughts that we have that compete with you, Jesus, in our minds and hearts for your place as our King. Come, King. King Jesus.